0: I hope you've enjoyed our series on values of Grace Church. This is the last one. And uh, if you've missed any, I just would encourage you. You might have missed them because you were away on holiday or just couldn't make it, on kids' work, whatever reason, had a morning off, whatever that might be. I would just urge you to go on the website and have a listen back over the values of Grace Church because these are really important these are, these are foundational. These are the things that we're all about. If you're new here, if you want to know what Grace Church is about, our values, go on the website, have a, have a listen back to some of the things that we've talked about, the gospel, the Holy Spirit, mission, discipleship. But today, on our last one, we're looking at diversity. So I've got a question for you. It's a question that I don't actually want you to answer verbally back to me, but it's one to think about. Have you ever felt like I don't really fit here? In any I'm not talking about necessarily here in Grace Church, but in some sense or some capacity, oh, I don't really belong. Well, I became a Christian in 1984, having left school. This doesn't quite. I've put having left school. Yeah, it does make sense. Having left school seven years earlier, I was just looking at the maths there for a moment, and I left school with very few qualifications. That probably answers that last little sentence. And I became a Christian, and, uh, and this was, it was like, wow, Jesus, he's alive, he's amazing, he's, he's real, he changed my life. But within weeks of being part of this church, I felt like I don't really belong. My new life group leader, well, I didn't know what that was, but anyway, I mean, they threw me in this group, was a, a graduate from Oxford University. Well, the only thing I knew about Oxford was they had a boat race once a year with Cambridge, And, you know, that sort of thing, I thought, everyone seemed to have a university degree in this church that I was part of. They didn't, but it felt like that. So much so, even though I'd just become a Christian, I actually lied. They said to me, you know, start talking about education. I said, oh, I've got an O level in English. They went, oh, amazing. I mean, that was a bit of a surprise to them, but anyway, it was a lie anyway. But they said, what books did you read? I don't know. I've just got an O level, right? Let's move on. But anyway, despite my inferiority complex, my place in these people higher than myself, they embraced me, they loved me, they cared for me, they taught me about Jesus, they treated me as an equal almost always. I'm sure they probably always. And I had no idea, really. But at the beginning, they treated me like a brother as part of the family of God. They brought me right in. And even though I perceived myself as a bit of an outsider, I was brought in to belong to this family of God. Before, before I become a Christian, my very narrow, small world experience was people just like me. That's what happens in society. right? We gather to our own little, our own little core group. And this is a small little story, of uh, insignificant story, really, of inclusivity. And if we were asked to ask one another questions about each other, there would be more stories of feeling like an outsider in certain situations. But there would also be stories like mine right there of the church making me feel included. So what does it mean to be a diverse church? Are we just trying to align ourselves with the culture of the day? Are we just trying to ensure we're on the right track, we're on the right side of political correctness and making sure we're not accused of any slurs that will like sideline us or shut us down? Well, these are not the things that motivate us when we talk about diversity. We want to build a church that is true to the Bible. So let's see what the Bible says. Revelation 7, 9 to 10 says this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And this is a picture of where we are heading This is a picture of the church, of what it ought to be. We will be perfectly unified one day. We will be worshipping Jesus in its fullest measure, totally diverse but totally unified. And as you can see from these verses, every nation, every tribe, people and language will be there. We will not morph into some grey, bland, expressionless group of people, but with the full expression of the greatness and beauty of God. This is what it will be like when we look into eternity. Therefore, we can conclude the issue of diversity is of great importance. We rightly give a very high value to worship because we will worship forevermore. we got that to look forward to. Race and diversity is also very much on God's heart because diversity will be in full evidence all the way into eternity. We can see throughout Scripture this has always been God's plan. It's not a new plan because culture says we need to have a bit of a plan about this. Let me just read some verses from the Bible to, to emphasise this point. Genesis 1.27 So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We're all made in the image of God. We are all equal. There was no division. There was no pecking order of importance or of superiority. All that God made was very, very good. And sin entered the world and it became divided and fractured. God was still after the nations. Genesis 12, to 3. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed by you. God's plan to reach all peoples. Israel to be a light to the nations, a prophetic voice to the nations. Israel, a nation set apart to point the other nations to God. And then Jesus, the fulfillment of the light to the nations. Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus reaching out to all types of people, Jewish, non-Jewish, the Samaritan woman at the well, the story of the good Samaritan. Jesus making it clear, this is a big picture situation. Jesus reaching the poor, the the marginalised. Jesus goes to 10 men with leprosy, goes to beggars on the roadside. He goes to the wealthy and the poor. And then the early church sent to the nations. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And you're starting to get the idea. It's not just for a few Westerners in Europe. It's for the nations. <clears throat> and this is what the disciples did. Philip preaches to an Ethiopian eunuch. Simeon called Niger from Cyrene, which is a city in Africa. This is that guy right at the beginning. He's right at the heart of what God is doing. He is part of the prophets and teachers setting apart Barnabas and Saul for ministry in the book of Acts. Peter in Acts 10 has a vision of a sheep coming down. He was all for the Jewish nation at that point. And he had a vision that God was after all mankind. God showed him that he has no favourites. He's after all people from all nations. And then to our text in Revelation 7, 9 and 10, a great multitude from every tribe, every nation, every people group and a language, a number so vast you can't count. So we want to give ourselves at Grace Church to this type of church, a church that we are to become, a prophetic statement, a multi-diverse church, old and young, rich and poor, Uneducated and educated, working class, middle class, upper class, whatever that looks like. I'm not quite sure I understand it fully, but you know the picture. Multi ethnic group of people, as many backgrounds as possible, as many nationalities as is possible in Bogner, Haven and Chichester and the surrounding area. That's what we're about. That's why this is part of the value series. Well, to be honest, that was the easy bit, right? We all gone, yeah, I'm, I'm up for that, I'm up for that. But getting there is not always so easy. So, to get there is, going to, is not going to be got there accomplished by moral or ethical endeavors, but by the church being shaped by the word of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit that declares to the world something so, so different. Because, as always, these things, it's a heart issue, and only God can deal with the heart. Education and training events, they have value, but they will only take us so far. The world's answer is education and training, and as I said, they have a very valid place in society. But in the end, they just shout at us when you get it wrong, punish us, silence us, or shame us. The world doesn't have the answers. It knows, and rightly so, that racism and and inequality is completely wrong. But it doesn't know the answers except to shame people. It doesn't know how to change hearts and change attitudes. The issue is deep, and only the gospel is the answer. And that's why the diversity is a gospel issue. You and I are part of the blood-bought bride of Christ. Revelation 5, 9 and 10 says this, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. God is after a particular bride. This is a picture of the purpose of God in the death of his son purposeful, intentional, a people from every tribe, language, and nation. A God centered people in harmony. The people of God, one. By the blood of Jesus, a people reconciled to God and to each other from every nation. And that's why this is a gospel issue. His reconciliation of us to God, we get that. But it is more than that. God saves us, but also changes us and transforms us. God doesn't just make you a better version of yourself, but completely changes us. You're a new creation. We have a new identity. We are in Christ. You might say again, all good then, I've got that. God has called us to be one, to be united. God has initiated all of this, so we're pretty much sorted, right? Well, not quite. Ephesians 2, 1-10 to talks about us as individuals. You were dead in your sin. You lived according to the desires of your heart. And verse 4 says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. You were dead, not breathing, spiritually speaking, alienated from God, impossible for us to sort this out. But God, he made you and he made me alive and transformed our hearts. God, through Jesus, calls you and I to be born again. All a work of his grace, not based on anything that you or I have done or might do. All a work of God. And this is so foundational. This is what we need to hear day after day, his Amazing grace poured out, caused us to be born again. And this is what has taken place in Elias lives if you're a Christian. It's stunning. It's a summary of the picture of the gospel, what he's done for us. I'm going to read uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 18. And some of this was read earlier by Steve. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, and called uncircumcised uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by the body, by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both had access to the Father by one Spirit. We were far off and brought near. We had no hope. We were excluded from God. But we were brought near by the blood of Jesus, and he became our peace. Jesus brought those who were near and those who were far off to himself. And Jesus has made the two groups one. If you are not an ethnic Jew, and I don't know any that are in this room, but there might be someone. If you were not that, you were far off. And we have become this third ethnicity, the family of God, one people and we probably get that and understand that but again it's still not just as simple as that there can be a barrier a wall something a wall of hostility and this is clearly true in the world right when we look outside of the church but sometimes even within the church albeit much more subtle hostility comes from all sorts of things comes from color our what class we might fit in, our age, our wealth or lack of wealth, our abilities, even how we speak. Um, A a long time back, I got up and someone said, can you give your testimony? Well, I I said, of course. So I stood up, told my story. And then two weeks later, a guy comes up to me. Now, I've not long been a Christian, quite insecure really. And this guy came up to me and said, when I heard you speak, I had an instant dislike to you. Imagine that. <laughs> I thought, well goodness me, I better, I don't know what to do here. And he said, But I asked God and I think you're all right. It was something, you know, along those lines. Like, I don't know. It's all right, I've got over it, don't worry. Where I came from, everyone spoke like I spoke. But anyway, God has made us one new man in Christ, whatever our backgrounds. Galatians three, twenty-six to twenty-eight says, So in Christ Jesus. You are all children of God through faith. For all of you, whether you were baptised into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So it's a matter of identity that changes things, however you speak. I am in Christ. I belong to Christ. However, there can still be things in our background, consciously or subconsciously, attitudes that say, I'm better than you. That's not the way I do things. I've got a better way of doing things. And often it's based on my background or my preference or the culture that I come from. And we can make it that mine's better than yours. You need to just change a little bit. In other words, we're devaluing someone else's background or culture or whatever it might be. We can stick to the same type of friends because that reaffirms my preferences and beliefs. So identity is important. We can so easily retreat to those who are like us. Of course, that's more comfortable. That's an easier option to do. But we want to go after something so much bigger than that at Grace Church. We want to go after something that brings the brings glory to God because of the way we live our lives, a diverse church. It's a heart issue and an identity issue. We can take what is good and distinct about ourselves and, and compare and go, oh, yeah, we've, I think we get this about right. We can take our normal and look down on other cultures' normal and think, well, I'm better than that. We're more educated or whatever we might say, or I'm more charismatic. Think about how different cultures view things. I have to be on time. Whatever happens, I'm going to be there on time. Or, well, I'll get there when I get there. I met my mate and we had a chat. It was good. You know, That was a good, useful, used bit of time. Come to my house for dinner. Uh, 7th of February, all right for you? Or come around, share a meal with me. Just pop in. Oh, we got loads of food. Just join in with the family. Different cultures do things differently. I can't do mornings, I just, somehow or other I just glanced the students at that point, a little bit unfair I know, but you know, come and have a go at me later if you want, we'll check what time our alarms are set, anyway we'll move on, come round to my house, oh you lot you're, you're a bit loud over there aren't you, you lot over there, you're pretty reserved aren't you, you don't express yourselves. There are clashes, right? We can see them. You can probably think of others. And all those things i said are pretty surface level. But we know identity is complex. There are loads of layers. If you spent half hour with me, you'll realise how complex I am and all the different layers. But I guess you're probably the same. There are loads of layers. Our occupation, our education, our ethnicity, where we live, where we grew up, family life and loads of other things. And we're different, and that's okay to be different. In fact, we should celebrate our differences because Jesus, he loves our differences. He created us. It's to be celebrated. But what is most important, and most important for you too, is first and foremost, I'm in Christ. That's what matters. Yeah, I am a Christian who is white British, But what matters most is I'm in Christ. I have more in common. I've got a friend, and I'd say he's upper class, right? Now you know it's all relative, isn't it? But I reckon he's definitely upper class, and he's a surgeon. So we have some interesting conversations, and uh, I won't tell your stories right now, but they're very interesting. You know, we're on such a different path of life, and I've known him now 30 odd years, and I have more in common with him. Than all my old classmates, if they're still alive, I never see them. You know, I have more in common with this guy that I have nothing in common with except Jesus than my own family, my own flesh and blood. I went to a church when I first became a Christian. My next door neighbor, his car broke down. I said, Oh, I'll help. I'll just become a Christian. You know, it's the sort of thing we do. We should carry on doing it, by the way. And uh, he says, I've got to get to Streatham Ice Rink by a certain time. I said, Get in my car. His whole family gets in the car. Now, as we go in, he, he was like an African family. They got in. I find out he's a Christian. He finds out I'm a Christian. He says, come to my church. So I go to his church a, You know, a couple of Sundays later. And I literally was the only white person in this church. Like, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, This is a real challenge. They loved me. It was a wonderful experience. And I have more in common with them. And I love football. And I loved it even more then. I had more in common with this crowd of people than with my football team that I spent hours playing football with and other stuff. More in common with them. That's what it is about diversity. It's wonderful to celebrate our differences. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be gathered around the throne of God and all the glory and honour of all the nations, bringing all the colour and beauty the aim for us is to display the manifold wisdom of God to a world that really will never make it in terms of diversity. And of course, we have a, we have a way to go. We're not perfect. We know that. But we want to get there. We want to get there in God. That's what this is all about. Being a church, a grace church, a prophetic statement is much more than just having a few different faces. Yes, we want to say everyone's welcome, but we want everyone to play a part. We want everyone to feel, this is where I belong. This is a statement to the world that blows their mind when they notice it, when they see it. The manifold wisdom of God amongst us, you and I, the people of God. So much more than just, we've got a few different types of people, whatever the background and all that. It's a gospel issue. You may have thought, yeah, the gospel, the word, the mission, the Holy Spirit and the other things we've talked about in our series. And maybe diversity is just an add-on. And I hope I'm persuading you, this is so much more than just an add-on. Diversity is intrinsically linked to the other values. And how do we work this out at Grace Church? First of all, I've got a few points here, but they will be quick. The first one, we work it out in, in our grace groups. We share our lives with one another. I get to walk in your shoes and you get to walk in mine. This is where we work it out. If you'd been going along to a grace group, you would have been answering questions about your life because we want to get to know one another. We want to go deeper with one another. We're working out how we belong together, how we honour one another. Stories, our stories, your story is an important story. If you're not part of a grace group, I would urge you, get involved. The second one, diversity without disunity. This doesn't mean we have different nationalities and backgrounds that we just say hi to over a coffee and then quickly move on to our, the people we, who are more like me. We want to be in each other's lives, sharing our stories, sharing our lives, A quick question for you. Who are the five people you hang out the most with? Are they all like you? We're united in Christ. We celebrate our diversity and we don't create uniformity. The third one, welcome, especially those who are not like you. And if you're like me, you probably think, well, it's easy to fit in or I do fit in. But if you're not like me, it might be more difficult. You might feel less included. Well, we need to go out of our way with one another to include each other. It's not up to just those who have a blue welcome t-shirt on. Hospitality. Make a start. Invite someone into your home or out for a coffee or a walk who is not like you. This is measurable for you and me. I can look back... Say, in two months' time, I can look back. Have I done anything about this? I'm praying for a more diverse church. I have a part to play. Here's a quote that you might like. Anyway, here it is. Hospitality is an offer to identify with outsiders and to treat them like insiders. And we don't want representation without tokenism we need we want every part of grace church to have representation of every type of person here as best we can we were all far from god we are all equal and i'm grateful for men and women in my past who've who've pioneered in this who've done things who've pushed boundaries who've been patient Unity needs genuine inclusion and representation. And there's a lesson, you know, there's stuff we need to learn. We all have, because of our backgrounds and stuff, we can all have little prejudices that surface from from time to time. And I remember a, a lady leading worship who was not like me, and I thought, oh, she doesn't do it like me, it's not quite how we do it here. And I had to learn and change to actually, yeah, that's actually what I need. She's different from me and she brings a different flavour. The way we pray, the way we lead, the way we live. We need people from all backgrounds, leading, shaping, creating and owning what goes on here at Grace Church. We probably need to be uncomfortable with the style. The gospel is so much more than our comfort. Integration. This doesn't mean come and join us and do it like how we do it. It's so much wider than that, isn't it? We need to become a diverse people in our activities and how we do stuff, how we have worship and things like that. We need to be ready to do things differently. I heard someone say there should be at least 25% of what we do that doesn't appeal to you or me. Humility is a vital part of this, and we need to keep coming back to it, because it's easy to just refer back, oh, I'll just take that little comfort zone over there with my same old friends, same old stuff. But we need to keep pressing on, and we need to be full of humility for that. It's easy to slip back into old ways. Galatians 3, you foolish Galatians, you started in the spirit, and you've returned to the flesh. Diversity means having a seat at the table. Inclusion is having your voice heard at the table. Belonging is having your voice heard at the table and acted upon. What a beautiful picture. And we know at Grace Church there's stuff to do. There's more more we need to experience. There's more we need to learn and grow in. But what a beautiful picture that God paints for us that we we're going to paint to the world, that the world can look on and go, surely God is in their midst, because of, look at them there, the harmony, the unity, and the diversity. I'm going to finish by reading Revelation 7, which we started with, because I think it just it summarises it all, and, and then if the band could come up, that would be great. Revelation 7, 9 to 10 says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The glorious bride of Christ. All backgrounds, all ethnicities, all, la- all languages. God is at work in us doing something amazing because he's the head of the church. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before we come and worship Jesus. What might God be prompting you to do as part of this beautiful, diverse church What actions do you and I need to take? What attitudes need to change amongst us? And what is God saying to you regarding this? I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for the glorious vision of the church. Lord, that you would have a bride spotless, without blemish. And you pull us together from all backgrounds, every tribe, every tongue. Every nation, and Lord, thank you that you want us to grow to be more like that every week and every year, God. So, will you come and help us? Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Where we make mistakes, Lord, help us, Lord. And may there be a real sense of um, forgiveness and and acceptance of one another, Lord. We we just want to be all that you want us to be, God. So, we just say, Come, Spirit of God, come and help us to be more like the bride of Christ you want us to be in your powerful name. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship him.